All right, you got your Bibles? We're not going to preach from Book of Mormon tonight. It's a joke. Sorry. All right. It's probably offensive to somebody. Um, Job 42. Amen. We're going to... You know, it's funny, Job's, there are a lot, a lot of books before Job, but actually Job is known by theologians to be, or believe, to be the oldest book in the Bible. Isn't that something? It was written actually before Genesis. We always think that, you know, God started giving the story right from the beginning, but he didn't. Uh, I guess we can thank the Catholics for organizing it some way, the Jews and the Catholics and at the end of the day some way. But uh, we also thank God for uh, the Protestants who got into heresy and used the printing press. Praise the Lord. So thank God, you know, and, and uh, Tyndale, who was the, man who, you know, was responsible for printing, mass-produced, you know, printing the English Bible. Um, you know, of course, he was burned at the stake or whatever. Uh, the church is just never really excited about new ideas, you know. You present something new, and it's like, let's kill him. All right. Job 42. I got real free in California, so... They'll let you say anything out there. Uh, Job 42.10. Now, I'm going to preach tonight. I just really had this. This is such a simple concept. But I think sometimes we need to be reminded of certain things. Amen. And one of them is uh, praying for others. If you'll think about it and be honest with yourself, so much of our praying is about ourselves. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that we oftentimes uh, spend so much of our prayer time, prayer currency, faith currency, we spend so much of it on ourselves, you know, claiming our help, our wealth, our needs, our direction, you know, our peace, uh, whatever, our family. Uh, even our church, but we will pray for ourselves if we're not careful just all the time. And then we forget to pray for others unless it's just a, you know, maybe just a prayer request at the church or something. But, uh, and that's nothing wrong with that. I believe in prayer requests at the church and God hears and answers those prayers. Amen. Amen. It's wonderful what the Lord does through the power of prayer. And I believe that a, a strong church is a praying church. And, uh, you know, you know, listen, I'm, I'm like live and let live. Uh, you know, some churches have very regimented prayer teams that, you know, and they have the platinum people and the gold people and the silver people. It's like American Airlines, you know, and then the regular people. And they're not allowed to talk to the platinum people because they're so further along. Do your thing. Don't care. Hallelujah. Shondai. But on the other hand... It's kind of like having a witnessing team. Really, the whole church should be the witnessing team. Really, the whole church should be the prayer team. Amen? 
And uh, Brother Hagin used to say that the church house is kind of like a one-room schoolhouse used to be. You know, the one-room schoolhouse, the teacher, I mean, what a, what a juggling act that had to be. Because you've got first graders or kindergarten children in with uh, uh, grown uh, boys and girls that are in the 12th grade. And you've got to teach all of them at the same time and let them grow and progress, amen, and get the older ones ready for college or life or whatever. So what a what a challenge that had to be. Um, but uh, he said the church is like a one-room schoolhouse that uh, er- that everybody learns at the same time, but they're not starting at the same stage because you know your new your newborn believers are those that are that are just coming into the things of God. And especially in a full gospel church, they might have been a believer a long time, but maybe in a traditional church or liturgical that uh, has had little exposure to uh, the Holy Spirit's uh, um, moving and, and, and little exposure to being filled with the Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues and flowing in the gifts and those things uh, that might be new to some people. And boy, it's just hard, you know. Sometimes you you'll have the seasoned saints uh, can can bristle at the new people and really almost put them down. Like, uh, or if they have a question or they don't understand, you know, why is that sister, you know, flopping over backwards, you know, in the back of the pew or whatever? And it's just like freaks them out. And it's like, well, that's just the Holy Ghost. It's just the Holy Ghost. It's like, slow down. We need to be benevolent and understanding to, you know, maybe what, of course, I grew up in this, but what maybe a new person, if you can imagine what that must appear to them to be, that it's a challenge, you know, to their, just their, their senses. Like, well, I've never seen anybody shout in church, or I've never seen hand clapping, or I've never seen... You know, most churches, it's like hear a pin drop and the, they hit the bell on the pipe organ and, you know, that's, that, do your thing. Like I said, I don't care. But I'm just saying that, uh, that, uh, in a church that we're gonna, you know, like even our meetings coming up, I'm imagining they, they might get pretty, <laughs> um, inspired <laughs> and cranked up and whatever. And if we have new people, we need to try to help them to understand that not make them feel stupid yeah. or ignorant just because they've never experienced something like that. Amen. And where our church is good, where y'all are fantastic with that, but it's, I'm preaching to a lot of people on the internet too. So, you know, it's just easy to get, um, judgmental. Amen. On those that are not quite where you think you are. So, uh, yeah, to, to tell you what it must feel like for, so I don't know what I'm on this for, but it's part of it. To tell you what it must feel like, um, I have a Jewish friend who is, um, uh, he's from Tel Aviv, but he lives part, part time in, in, uh, Minneapolis. But, uh, he is a, an Orthodox Jew and he found, he came to visit me in Tampa back, uh, in 2018, you know, and I, the one year I was single. And he came to visit me and hang out and, you know, get some meals and that kind of thing. 
And he asked me on Saturday morning, do you want to go to the Orthodox synagogue with me? He found one in Tampa. <laughs> and uh, uh, over off of Bruce B. Downs Boulevard, he found, uh, I mean, I didn't even know it existed. And it was in a tiny little building, kind of like a classroom type setting, their little synagogue they had set up. But they were building a new building that was very beautiful. So anyway, I mean, I got to put the yam- my yarmulke kept falling off for one thing. Uh, it, I don't know. I just had to hold it on my head like this because maybe my head is, is square or something. I don't know. But uh, I was holding it on and I have to, you know, you have to wear and then the men are on this side, and there's kind of a screen, a filigree screen, and then the women are on that side. And, uh, you know, went through the service. And, of course, you know, it was in Hebrew, and but a lot of it was in English. But to tell you, you know, I was just like lost as a goose in there. And I was going along with it, and I'm trying to learn it. One nice thing, it is all Scripture. I mean, they they, they read the new, the Old Testament, not so much of the New. Uh, but anyway, uh, kind of frown on that. But praise God, you know, you could just, you know, you could use your faith for what they were reading out of the uh, Torah and all that and um, the Pentateuch. And, uh, um, you know, they did prayers and, it, you know, it was fine. But the thing is, is I'm thinking that must feel be what it feels like. I was trying to relate. That must be what it feels like for your first time going to a Pentecostal church or or word of faith, or, or or something like that. Uh, things start happening that you've never seen before, where you go to church, amen. And uh, so, uh, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not a seeker guy. You know, we're not painting everything black in a smoke machine, and you know, uh, dressed up like a unicorn. But uh, uh, and you know, wear jeans with holes in them. And when I grew up, if you had jeans with holes in them, your mother would sew a, you know, iron on or sew a patch. But now it's cool to be all shredded. Again, do your thing. I don't care. Just saying, praise God. You know, we have to uh, be all things to all people and try to make people feel welcome. Amen. Without feeling the need to compromise what we what we do and believe. Amen. Because there's a lot of full gospel churches that have acted like, at least, that they're ashamed of the move of the Spirit. And they put all the healing prayer in the back room. They put all the getting filled with the Spirit in the back room. Uh, our, our good friend Earl Cushman, who preached here, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, he said he went to a church of God. And the pastor said, now we don't do any tongues in here. And, and I'm thinking, take their sign on, you know, I'm, I'm ready to start a march. You march around that building seven times, it'll collapse. But I'm thinking, well, then what are you doing? Why are you in a full gospel group? Why are you, why are you saying you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit if you're going to be ashamed of it? Amen. Well, I can assure you, if you have a spirit of ashamed of the Holy Ghost, you won't have a whole lot of it. <laughs> uh, all right. Now, uh, Job 42.10 says, and we're talking about turning, we, we sang the song, turn, turn Our Eyes Towards Jesus, but we also need to turn our eyes towards others many times. And I can tell you that whatever it is that you are, uh, uh, you know, kind of dealing with, 
you, you might want to sow some seed of prayer into somebody else that's got the same problem. And you know, I think sometimes that's a good, it's a good way to use your faith is to just say, you know what? I'm not going to claim one thing for myself right now, this prayer time. I'm going to claim for somebody else because I've already declared that it's mine, that it's done. I've cast the care on the Lord. I don't care. Amen. And I'm going to now pray for somebody else that might be going through the same or a similar circumstance. And so it says here, as you know, that Job was all messed up. He's got boils and his wife has turned against the things of God. And she encouraged him and said, why don't you just, why don't you discourage him? Why don't you curse God and die, man? You know, you're just, uh, obviously you're not blessed and, you know, his, his, his sons are out committing fornications and adulteries and it's just everything. And, you know, he's lost all of his money and he's lost all of his livestock. I mean, he is just the ogre of the village <laughs> all of a sudden. And, uh, and, you know, he finally, remember he, he cast out the, um, the three, he had three, uh, they're called Job's comforters. And they were saying, I love this. They were saying, um, you know, well, maybe you've sinned. You need to sacrifice more. And there may be, and it sounds like people getting you filled with the Holy Ghost in a Pentecostal church. You know, is there any sin in your life? They asked me, I was 10 years old trying to get filled with the Spirit. And I got old ladies in my ear asking me if there's sin in my life. Oh, yeah, there's gross sin in my life at age 10. I'm I'm just a horrible creature, you know, unbelievable. And, and you know, we laugh, but I tell you, in word of faith circles, it can be about as bad as that. You know, somebody trying to get their healing, and we're well, where'd you open the door to the devil? And I, I want to say, well, it's obviously when I let you in my house, ain't it? So. You know, you, you, you just, you just, that's just not a good place to go. Somebody's trying to believe God with all they've got for something. And then you you bring the devil in. Well, maybe it's the devil. Yeah, maybe it's you, you ugly thing. And you some nair. All right. Because <laughs> you hairy beast. Praise God. Um. So, you know, Job finally kicked them all out. He says, why are y'all judging me? You're worse than I am. He said, get out. And, uh, you know, all the, all the ones that are, uh, forensically trying to figure out how he's missed God. That's just not helpful. Uh, and then finally he said, you know, uh, King James is a little blind. It says, though he slay me, still I'll serve him. Uh, that's not really what he said. It's just bad. Bad translation there. What he said is, even if he, even if God kills me, I'm going to say what I have to say on my heart. That's what he said. Even if it, it's kind of a figure of speech, it's not that big of a deal, but we've made it one. But uh, which we're just famous for that in the church world. We can make a mountain out of a molehill. And just we're professionals at it. Uh, something that in the in the Bible. Doesn't mean all that much. And, uh, but he said, uh, if it kills me, 
uh, if it, if, in other words, it's like a figure of speech. You ever heard somebody said, if it kills me, I'm going to tell you what I have to say to you. Well, it's a figure of speech. And, uh, and he, and he, in fact, he later said, uh, he, um, almost like, may it kill me, may God kill me if he will not listen to what I have to say. And that's when he started telling God, look, I'm serving you. I'm doing what you said. And, uh, kind of like throw up his hands. I don't know. And, uh, this kind of, that's a great, that's a message that I'm not going to preach right now, but that, that's a book right there on what did Job really say? What did he really do? And, uh, he wasn't like saying Calvinistically like, Slay me and I'll still serve you. You know, that's just not what he was saying. He was not happy with his situation and he was not happy with what had happened. And he finally just kind of gave up on himself. This is a good thing. Sometimes we need to just kind of give up a little bit. You know what I mean? Like just quit with all of our praying and confessing and and running for and leaping for joy and rolling in the aisles or whatever we're told to do to get I mean I'm a veteran of healing school. I was when I was there the first one in October the first, nineteen seventy nine at Raymond, Tulsa, praise God. And it was three of us running. It was um Brother Hagen and Patsy and me. That was it. And uh so we had those poor people doing everything but beat their head against the wall, you know, to show obedience to something. And, uh, you know, it was almost like getting people healed by accident. And, but we were experimenting and we were trying and we were doing with what we had. And Brother Hagan, I, I went over to his office one time and I said, because he had finally gotten to the place he just turned it over to us. So I went to his office one day and I said, you know, I've got this brilliant idea. And he said, what? I said, you've got this special anointing. You know, Jesus appeared to him, put a finger of his right hand and palm of both his hands and said, I've called thee and anointed thee, given thee a special anointing, you know, so forth and so on. You tell the people, but I told you to tell them that if they'll believe that, you know, and all that. So I told, I reiterated that to him. So I had it memorized. And I said, uh, dad, so you've got this special anointing and Patsy and I ain't got that. So maybe you could come over across the parking lot to the healing center and you could bring that special anointing in and we could clear the deck here. Because we got all these sick people coming. Some of them have been coming for months and they're sicker than they were when they started. I think we're making them sick. They weren't all that bad off when they started, and now six months later, they're about ready to die. So we're doing something wrong. I don't know. But you know what he said? I couldn't believe it. This is so funny. He said, well, I've got you to do this job and Patsy, and if you can't do it, I'll just have to fire you and find somebody. Now he's threatened me with my job. I said, okay, fine, we'll figure it out. So I'm walking across the parking lot, pouting, feeling sorry for myself at Rama. I'm walking across the lot. The wind comes rushing down the plain, Oklahoma, about blows your head off. And I'm walking across that parking lot that looks like, you know, a Walmart Supercenter parking lot. 
and I'm walking across this parking lot and I'm mad at Brother Hagan because he said, and I said this to the Lord. I said, you know what? That's easy for him to say sitting up there in this big office with this big anointing and heal the sick. And he leaves us down here with all these people dying of cancer and everything else, you know. And I'm just like, had it, you know, like this is not working out for me. And, uh, but one thing it did is it makes you dig deeper. Amen. And that's when one of the first revelations came to me about the finality of the word is I said, well, you know what Mark 16, 15, 20 through 20 says? That they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And there's no asterisk footnote that says, well, they have to be in corporate faith. They have to be in unity, walk in love perfectly, da, 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 all this stuff that gets added to what the word says. And I said, there's no asterisk, no footnote below. There's nothing. It's plain and simple. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, period. And if God can't do it like he's got it in the word, then let's just expose him right here in front of everybody. So that's what kind of came on me. And it changed my life and ministry. I think Brother Hagin knew what he was doing. Because he knew me really well. He, he could, he could, he knew me since I was a kid. He could read my mind, you know, almost and what I was thinking and my body language and all that. So I think he knew that, you know, if he, if he just made me mad enough, I would figure it out. And you know, that's why the Bible says, be angry and sin not. I don't believe I was in sin for being angry. And I really wasn't angry at Brother Hagan. I was more angry just at the situation. And, and, and really wanting to help people. And I'm not wanting to see another person die of cancer or something, you know. And I'm wanting to help people. And I'm frustrated. You understand? And sometimes in that frustration, um, you know, you don't take it out on everybody else. But privately in your frustration, that can be redirected towards, I'm going to figure this out. And I'm going to figure it out from the Word and from the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, it changed my life and ministry. Amen. Amen. And after that, I started saying, if God doesn't heal the sick in this classroom today, then you know what that means? It means God's a liar. The Bible's not true. Brother Hagin's a fraud. And I said, and all of you are stupid for wasting your time sitting here. And I said, who wants to prove it out? And they all said, this was a seminar week, so we had extra people. They all said, yeah. I was, I, I was like, you know, starting a rabble rouser. You know, burn it down. <laughs> It doesn't work. Burn it down. Pitchforks and shovels, you know. <laughs> the uh, villagers are storming the castle. <laughs> you know, that was I was kind of like out front of that, you know, a little bit. And I tell you, that day when I got up and I said, "That's just," I, I'm telling you, it's this, and I'll, I'm going to quit the ministry for the rest of my life. In fact, I'll devote myself to going around and saying that the Bible's not true. That's how desperate I had become to see the Word work. And God honored that as some sort of weird display of faith. 
and I am telling you, we had 50, like 50, 52 people in the class that day. 44 of them testified to instant miracles. Yeah. How about that? That has nothing to do with our subject. But it's a good story nonetheless. <laughs> All right. Um, no, so it says, you know, anyway, just, I'm trying to say that's where Job was. I think he just had had it. He's like, I don't want to do any more searching. I don't want to do any more repenting. He'd repented till his repenter was broke. And I'm telling you, he was, he was just had it. Job had had it. And he says, if it kills me, I'm going to say what I'm going to say here. Yeah. And at that point, he said that he began to pray for his friends. And it says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he confessed enough times to make it happen. No, when he prayed for his friends. Also, also, this is a good also, read the fine print. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Praise God. Isn't that something? So if you feel like you're Job tonight <laughs> and going through a test and a trial, be encouraged because the Bible says that the Lord accepted Job. Uh, uh, in verse uh, in verse 9, it says, uh, the Lord also accepted Job. We're accepted in the beloved. Praise the Lord. That's a type of our grace life that we're living in. The Lord accepted Job, and then he turned his captivity, and then he gave him twice as much as he had before. So if you're going through Job week or Job month or Job season, uh, rejoice. Praise God, because God's turning your cap. He's accepted you. He's turning your captivity. You can count it as done. Now let's spend our time and effort and energy praying for somebody else. Do you love that? Yeah. You know, that takes faith yeah. to turn your attention from yourself to others, doesn't it? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you know somebody that's got like a financial need or whatever, or the church or the ministry's got a financial need that you know about, you know, you could pray about, and we all do this. We can pray about, is there something I can do to help? Is there some seed I can sow? Is there something I can, I can create to, to make that uh, easier on somebody. Amen. And, uh, this church we were just at, and we're going to do this at some point. This church that we were just at in California, they take the week of, uh, before Easter and they call it blessing week. I don't know if you've heard this. And they had a, they had like a big list, like, I don't know, 20, almost 20 things, 12 to 20 things of ideas that you could do easily to be a blessing just to the community, you know. Uh, and it was just different things, you know. And it was said, you know, if you know of a family that's having a financial need, that you could maybe make a dinner and take it to them to just to relieve a little. Uh, you know, it's not like a big thing. But to them it might be a big thing. They don't have enough food or something like that, right? Or uh you could... You know, just different ways that said that if you're in the drive through at McDonald's or something, uh, pay for the person behind you. Uh, and they'll never even know who they, who it was, but it's the love of God being shown. 
just kind of like a pay it forward type idea. But, uh, eh, you know, it can, it, you can get into carnality and, and, and dead works if you don't watch it. But if your heart's right with it, amen, you can just be a blessing. And it does, it does you and me when we, when we stop focusing on ourselves and care about someone else's need, it, it releases something. All right. All right. Now let's look at one more scripture. I won't keep you here all night. I don't know why the cloud, why the sky's turning black, but global warming, I guess, is, is hitting here. All right. It's always been globally warm in Florida. Um, and we've had hurricanes from day, from time immemorial. So I don't know. James five. If I can make it to James here. Pages are sticky. That's from humidity too. Praise the Lord. All right, here we go. James 5. Let's uh, start at verse 13 because it kind of is, you know, one, one, it's a package thought. Is any among you afflicted? Now, there's a difference here uh, between... Uh, being made by James between being afflicted and sickness. And so sometimes we'll say that a person who's sick is afflicted, praying for the, or we hear, you know, terminology like we're going to pray for the sick and afflicted. But the Bible is using two different meanings here. Afflicted means just the cares of this life, the worries, the hassles. Have you ever just had a day that was just hassle? The traffic is worse than it normally is, and your pin number isn't working on one of your things, and you know, and something you were expecting to come through didn't, and you know, just like a like like a hassle day. Well, that's what it's talking about. Is any among you afflicted? Well, we all experience this. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Pray about it. Get get, get take authority over it. Amen. And uh, stop feeling sorry for yourself if you are. Yes. Poor pitiful me has no authority. And um, we've all been there. We've all, if we will admit it, we won't tell anybody. But if we would admit it, we've all been poor pitiful me. But hopefully, we snap out of it, like you know, slap, snap out of it. Because <laughs> you're never gonna get any victory being sackcloth and ashes sitting in a pile um, upset, right? Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. So praise God. These are encouraging instructions, aren't they? Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. That's good. You can express your joy and your uh, sense of happiness through singing. Woo! Praise God. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, you don't have to anoint with oil. There's some places that get so attached to the method that it becomes this thing you have to do. The oil is a type of, of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so it's a type of the anointing. So 
We can use oil. Oftentimes we do here. Um, but we can also, you don't have to use oil. If we have a guest speaker, for example, these are just like pastoral little nuggets. So if we have a guest speaker, you know, and they're going to pray for the sick, we don't need somebody to come up suddenly and get up behind the pulpit and find the oil for them. Because, because it's not de rigor. You know what I mean? It doesn't have, you don't have to have the, the olive oil, especially imported from Holy Land, sold for $9.95 on TBN. You don't have to have that to pray for the sick. Amen? Just the laying on of hands will transfer the anointing. All right, I just thought I'd throw that. Because you know, we get religious about our stuff. Probably not anybody here, but other places. All right. So, uh, is any, you know, the elders of the church, the elders of the church really represent the ministry team, the, especially the pastor and, 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 uh, the pastors and associates and people like that. And so we need to also have a little bit of rank and file, submission and authority. Amen. So if a pastor or, uh, evangelistic guest or teacher says, I'm going to pray for the sick. We don't need half the church to get up and help them pray unless they're invited to. Amen. That's, it's a, well, I, I just, my heart went out. I know that's great, but, but there's, uh, something that, since the word elders is used, it means that there are elders and those that are not <laughs> elders. Amen. And so then you go to certain denominations and they have a literal board of elders and, all that, and that's fine, do your thing, but uh, just that's not what that means. This is not the Baptist board, you know, of elders. This is meaning the mature ones. And, of course, that would be a little bit of submission and authority and rank and file. doesn't have to be a mean version of that, but there has to be some respect to the authority, kind of like military, where whoever has the higher rank, would if they need you, they'll invite you. Amen. And uh, sometimes people put themselves in a position to be corrected, which is embarrassing. Yeah. But they'll put themselves in a position to be corrected publicly because what they are doing is public. So it would be, really, really be better to just wait and then and maybe ask the pastor or say, you know, I just felt a real urge to also pray. And you say, well. Okay, but the Lord will show me if that's the deal, and we'll call you if we want you. <laughs> Amen? And uh, But now we're not talking about out in the parking lot or in the back room or whatever. Somebody comes, they're your friend, and they say, boy, I'm feeling bad. Would you agree with me in prayer? Now, they don't have to go get permission to do that. That's like extreme word of faith, Nazi, Gestapo-style uh, leadership. Which I don't do that. Uh, and seems like I, I, Scarlett and I have said, seems like the meaner, the meaner the pastor is, the bigger the church gets for some reason. But, uh, I, I just, I just, um, I don't like it. It gets abusive. People get hurt and ground up in it and nobody cares. And I just don't like that. All right. So that's not me. Now I'm not going to just, it's not a free for all either. I'm not going to let anything go. But on the other hand, I just don't want it to be so screwed down that people can't breathe. 
And I've been under that kind of leadership before. I've been in that situation. I've seen a lot of it, and I don't like it. So if it's hindering our growth that we're too nice, then so be it. All right. Nobody's shouting on that, but it's the truth. Now, it says if you do that, anoint with oil, pray, the, pray, pray. it says the prayer of faith. The oil is not doing the healing, by the way. We need to always point that out because some people think, oh, it's the holy anointing oil. It's, if that was the case, we could just take a squirt bottle of oil and go through the hospital and empty it. So if the oil is the deal, then we need to all be oilers and oil everybody. But uh, it's not that. It's, it's this. The prayer of faith shall save or heal the sick. It's the prayer. It's the faith. Amen. And the Lord shall raise him up. And look at this grace scripture here. If he has committed sins, he better repent of them and say it. Or he's going to stay sick and get worse and die. No. Uh, it says if he's committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. All in the healing prayer. You know why? It's the same redemptive work. Okay, don't get me going. Too late. Don't get me started. Confess your faults one another. Now, this is another area that can get weird. Um, that doesn't mean you're supposed to be going around everybody telling them all your problems and how you missed it and how you miss it and what you do wrong and, you know, some secret nasty thing we don't want to know about and you're telling everybody. People say, you know, Pastor, I'm going to tell you about this thing. No, I don't want to know. La, 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 la. No. That's not what that means. Confess your faults one to another like you guys should go around and say all your problems. It just means to be vulnerable and open to one another. And if you're having a struggle, feel free to get another believer, not the whole church, everybody gather around me. I want everybody here to gather around me so I can announce my problem. That's that's not what that means. But it just means that, you know, maybe a, fr a special friend you might have or someone that you know well uh, to to say, you know, I'm really having a struggle or this is this is this is a a weak a weak spot in my life. Yeah. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. Amen. How about that? So if I pray for you and you pray for me, we can both be healed. We can both be supplied. We can both be blessed. Amen. Yeah. I'm spitting. Uh, we had this preacher in the Church of God. His name was Brady Dennis. And he was a missionary to somewhere awful. I don't know. But anyway, uh, he would preach and spit so hard that the whole front row was wet. And if you, my mother used to say, now if we're going to sit close to the front with Brother Dennis, we need a towel. Like you need a, an umbrella or something. It was really disgusting. He could really preach, but I'm just saying the spit part I could do without. He would have not done well during COVID. All right. Don't book him. He's a super spreader. All right. 
Um, I love this uh, confessing confessing faults and praying. In other words, it's not like, oh, I'm so forgetful, or I'm, you know, I'm not good with money, or whatever. It's not talking about that. He's talking about your kind of your just your daily, the daily grind again. You know, some of your problems you might be having. And, and you talk to your friend about that over uh, a prayer or coffee or whatever. And then you pray. You say, let's pray for each other. Lord, you know, help Mary here as she's struggling with, you know, the situation with her children or whatever. And you pray that. And then they say, well, is there anything that I can pray for you for? Well, as a matter of fact, there is. And so that's what that's talking about. And as we sow that seed of, of faith and prayer, others, uh, uh, to, into their life, and there, other people are praying. I believe that when you pray for one person, the Lord will raise up ten people to pray for you that you don't even know about. Have you ever had just somebody on your mind and you thought, I don't know, why, why am I thinking about them all the time? You know, almost obsessed. It's the Lord! Hello! Shall I drop an anvil on your head to get your attention? It's the Lord saying, pray for this person. They're, they're in trouble. They're, they've got a need. Something's wrong. Pray for them. Amen. <laughs> in, in, in church world growing up, I think people thought if they thought of the pastor, it meant they were supposed to call a vote and get rid of him. I just think about him. I'm just mad, you know. Nail him to the cross. Let's have a crucifixion, you know. All right. That's in the Bible. <laughs> okay. The effectual. The effectual. Now, this is right the same breath. You can't separate this, even though some prayer people have tried to, but this is all part of the same thought here. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. Now, uh, can we put that scripture up here on, on classic, amplified, if we have that? Uh, verse 16, yeah. See, here it really makes it clear to us what he's saying, okay? Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, things that, that you might want agreement and prayer about because you're having a, a challenge. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart, the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man. Now, a lot of people will hang up on that and they'll say, well, I don't know if I'm righteous. I'm trying to be. Well, stop trying and just believe it. Stop your nonsense. Um, and you know why you're righteous? Because God has made you to be righteous. Not from your performance, but from his performance. Prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Look at that. Tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So I want to show you that there is power. We know this in a general statement. 
There is power in prayer. But there is specific power in prayer in praying one for another. Amen? All right, praise God. Let's uh, just take a minute here, and, and you can join us online if you want. But let's just take a minute here to pray. Uh, maybe somebody that you can think of or whatever. Pray for me if you want to. But just uh, pray, you know, let's, let's just practice this just for a minute. Father, we just thank you for this teaching. We thank you for the re- re- remembrance and the word reminders uh, of the power of praying for one another. And Lord, we, we thank you that our, we just thank you by faith, first of all, that our needs are met and our bodies are healed and our, our storage places are supplied and we thank you for all that. But at the same time, Lord, we also pray for others. We pray for other churches that might be struggling financially. We pray for other ministries that might be challenged in some way. Um, uh, may, maybe, uh, maybe their, their budget for their meeting Makes ours look like just almost nothing. But Lord, we pray for them that all their needs are met, all their bills are paid. They have more than enough to do what they need to do with in Jesus' name. Those that uh, need a healing in their body, Lord, we pray for them. We lift them up. And, and people specifically, privately as we pray, we call their names. And we thank you for your healing touch. We thank you for relief. We thank you for pain relief that doesn't come from a pill. We thank you for whatever is causing the pain to be cured and to be touched and turned around. Father, we give you glory and honor and praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.